0: Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative, biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Before we get going, I just want to remind everyone that if you look at the transcript, there are many links at the top of it and some images that I will be kind of referring to And that way you can look at all those things and decide what's important for you. But our topic today is lack of stick-to-itiveness. And um, I want to start by reading a section from Deuteronomy. When you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So that's a real interesting thing that God says here. And he's saying it through, of course, Moses. Now, the above text that I just read, Deuteronomy 4, 30 through 31 tells us that there will be an actual period of tribulation during the latter days. That's what the text says. And it also highlights the fact that Moses was a prophet, Clearly, Moses was looking far into the future when Israel would be in severe distress, and that distress would come in what Moses called the latter days, a phrase synonymous with the end times or last days during the tribulation and just prior to the physical return of our Lord. This is really the first mention of or reference to the tribulation. Now, in this case, Moses was assuring the nation that their future ancestors would have difficult times. But notice Moses also stated that they, you, meaning the Israelites or their ancestors, would return to the Lord as a nation, right? And obey his voice. Then Moses reminds the Israelites of God's mercy and that he would not leave them, nor would he forget about the covenant he made with their fathers, The promise is that the nation of Israel would become passionate about obeying God. And this has not happened yet. It has not happened yet in all of Israel's history. But Moses is telling us that there will come a day when that will happen. Deuteronomy begins with chapter one, of course, and and it's with Moses reminding a new generation of Israelites of their own history. From their forefathers with the Lord, lived out by that generation's fathers. They were first captives in Egypt, then they became a nation released from bondage in Egypt by God. And Moses then reminded this new generation of their fathers' wanderings, their failures, and successes while in the wilderness. The whole first four chapters of Deuteronomy provide tremendous insight, albeit in a slightly abbreviated form, about the trials and tribulations of the nation Israel. Now, what is astounding here is when Israel literally came before God's glory. You recall? And he heard, or they heard his voice on the mountain, which we see in Deuteronomy chapters four and five. Let me read a a snippet from chapter five. These words the Lord spoke to your whole assembly at the mountain from the midst of the fire, from the cloud, and from the thick darkness with a great voice, and he added nothing more. He wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And again, this is Moses talking. He's reminding these people what happened previously in generations before them. And when you heard the voice, picking it up in uh, verse 23, when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you approached me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, behold, The Lord our God has shown us His glory and His greatness, and we have heard His voice from the midst of the fire, and we have seen today that God speaks with mankind, yet He lives. Now then, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer, then we will die. For who is there of humanity who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived. Go near and listen to everything that the Lord our God says. Then speak to us Everything that the Lord our God speaks to you and we will listen to you do it, unquote. And I think that that's an interesting question. Who has heard the voice of the God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Well, Moses did, and he didn't remind them of that, but certainly that's the case. Now, that above text that I just read, Deuteronomy 5, 22 through 27, shows us that the people of Israel had the correct view of God, at least during that event. They were literally in fear of him in awe of him, so much so that they asked Moses to listen to God for them and then tell them what he said, because they could not bear to hear his voice anymore. In a way, that's kind of sad, but God approved of it. He approved of what they said, meaning he agreed with them and granted their request. Now, certainly God had a reason for wanting them to hear his voice and see evidence of his presence, but they felt they couldn't handle it and asked Moses to simply deliver messages to them from God, and they would obey. Now, here's God's response to Moses regarding the people's concern, and we read this in Deuteronomy 5, 28 through 29. Now, the Lord heard the sound of your words when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the sound of the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They have done well. In all they have spoken, if only they had such a heart in them to fear me and to keep all my commandments always so that it would go well with them and with their sons forever. I find it fascinating that Moses is saying to the people of Israel, he calls them "you." This is what you said. This is what you did, even though, of course, they weren't necessarily there. It was their forefathers, but still, that's the way God deals with Israel as a unit. Doesn't matter who's in it from one generation to the next. It's a unit. It is a body, as God is, uh, as far as God is concerned. Now, please note something else with me regarding the people. God said, "Quote." if only they had such a heart in them to fear me and keep all my commandments always so that it would go well with them and with their souls forever. Clearly, the people of Israel feared God on that day with good reason. I mean, who wouldn't? Here's this mountain that they've gathered near, which was inexplicably burning with fire. And the people saw God's glory and heard his voice From the midst of the fire, and let's not even talk about all the rumblings and earthquake sounds and everything else they experienced, I can't imagine what God's voice sounds like. Can you? I mean, I imagine it being deep with tremendous character and depth, awe-inspiring, in fact, but I could be way off. I don't think any actor has even come close to what God actually sounds like. And the whole sight, though, for Israel was enough to cause the fear to well up within those folks. And I'm sure if I had been there, I would have felt likely the same way. Now, this awareness can help create the proper fear of God that is needed to live a holy life. And I don't mean a fear that causes us to freeze from doing anything because we might do the wrong thing. I'm talking about a fear that keeps us on the straight and narrow because you want to do what is good and what is right. God's desire, and by the way, this desire that he has for Israel will be fulfilled with the final remnant of Jewish believers who survive the tribulation and enter into the millennial kingdom. His desire is that the Israelites then, in the future, would have always the proper fear of God, always, so that they would live upright lives from their own desires, because they want to. And again, God is not talking about the fear that causes people to freeze up, not sure if they should go to the left or to the right or forward or backward. He is talking about a healthy fear of offending him by doing wrong. Unfortunately, this fear that the Israelites had at the foot of the mountain wasn't going to last for the Israelites. And in very short order, within the 40 days while Moses was on the mountain talking with God, the Israelites abandoned their fear of the Lord and delved into sin, not only in likely sexual promiscuity, but in worshiping a golden calf That Aaron had made for them. This was Israel's continual cycle before the Lord. And quite frankly, I don't know if you feel the same way or if you understand it the same way, but it seems like many of us Christians tend to do the same thing. We're constantly going in and out of fellowship with God because of our sin. So the fear that they initially had of God was promptly ignored in favor of chasing after their own sinful desires. In other words, the fear they had for and of God was not the kind of fear that would undergird their lives properly so that they would always be thinking of ways to fulfill his will voluntarily instead of feeling as though they had to do it in order to avoid God's wrath and punishment. Instead, the fear they had was a fear of punishment and retribution. Here they were thinking, oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Wait, turn it off. This is needed, obviously, to a degree when we first learn of God and his laws, isn't it? However, this type of fear should give way to a proper fear, which is a fear of offending God And that's the fear that should always be increasing in the life of a Christian. Ask yourself right now, am I fearful of offending God? If you're not, then you need to do some soul searching. If you are, are you more fearful of offending God today than you were yesterday or the day before? Because we human beings are fallen creatures, some form of fear must continue to be a motivating factor in our lives. But it clearly must be the correct type of fear, right? I've talked about fearing the Lord many times in articles here, and I've preached on the subject as well. And there's a link in the transcript where you can go back and read some of those articles if you're interested It doesn't do to try and serve our great God out of a deathly fear of punishment. And Christians should be way beyond this, biblically speaking. However, because we are fallen, though redeemed, we continue to have the fallen or sin nature. And this is often, unfortunately, the guiding factor in our lives if we choose to let it have its way. Instead, we should allow a healthy, healthy fear of offending God to take root in our lives so that we will do the right things automatically. Now, for the Christian, it has become too easy to do and say things today that really don't conform to righteousness, but draw us into questionable and sinful areas, areas which we should be completely ignoring I know of people, and maybe you do as well, who were heavily into writing articles and speaking at prophecy conferences, who are now essentially out of the picture. They've moved away from that life and now are actually more concerned about things the average lost person chases after. It's tragic. This is unfortunately becoming a new norm within Christendom. We are seeing the growth, exponential growth, of the lukewarm church here and now. And this is a difficult lesson for all Christians, myself included, but it is a reminder that not one of us is that far from straying off the path. It only takes one wrong step or turn, and we're heading in the wrong direction altogether. It's easy to shake our heads at Israel or even other Christians, right, who seem to have lost their first love in Jesus, and they have become seriously Laodicean in the process. But if we are not careful— we will easily follow the same path away from God. It could happen. And this doesn't mean we lose our salvation. It means we've broken off fellowship with God and are no longer in communion with Him until and unless those Christians, and if that includes you or me, it needs to be dealt with as well. We need to reverse the direction. And until that happens, those Christians will continue walking away from God And not be in fellowship with him and lose valuable rewards that come to those who persevere in the faith as the Bible promises. Now, the Israelites had a tremendous fear of God when they saw his presence and heard his voice on the mountain. It unnerved them so that they wanted Moses to be their point man between them and God. Of course, this also makes Moses a type of Christ in the way Moses constantly advocated and prayed for the people of Israel between him and God. If not for Moses, the entirety of the Israelite nation would have perished, and God would have started over with Moses, Deuteronomy nine thirteen and 14. Now, as God said, that fear should have stayed with them so that they would spend their entire lives living correctly. Unfortunately, the fear they experienced at the foot of the mountain was short-lived, and they quickly went into spiritual adultery by worshiping other gods, gods that could not speak or walk, gods that had to be carried everywhere, and gods that were crafted by people. So, Christian, What should our approach be as we see what's happening in the world around us? Well, it's easy to feel overcome, defeated, and unsure of what God is doing, especially in a society and situation that we're experiencing today. Frankly, it's always difficult to be in the mode of waiting for the other shoe to fall in society, isn't it? In this global atmosphere, there appears to be always something that is about to happen. Christians need to develop a very healthy, growing fear of offending the Lord, which will provide us with thick skins and foreheads made of diamond harder than flint, Ezekiel 3.9. That is where I believe it starts. As we know from scriptures, Proverbs 1, seven. that fear of God does not just happen. It's got to be coaxed into being. And I firmly believe God creates it within us in response to our desire to have it. How much do you want it? How much do you want to fear offending God? Well, thank you for joining me today. And I pray until we meet again that God would open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo, Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective.